Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey, hello, happy Sunday. I am Joseph Kapsch, and you are watching Meet the Hollywood Press. Today, we are going to be diving into some um, hot Hollywood topics and controversies, backlash. We've got a little Scarlet casting um, backlash going on. We've got Bieber engaged, and we're going to be bringing it to you with a new, uh, new panel of influencers, journalists, and, like, only they can bring you... Uh, the perspective from on the ground in Hollywood. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce this week's panel. Um, to my left, we have trans activist and media personality Ashley Marie Preston, who has her own podcast of her own, Shook with Ashley Marie Preston. She writes for Teen Vogue. She writes for Playboy. I'm sure there's many others. Yes. You might recognize her from her, um, I don't know, would you say famous or infamous viral, mo- viral run-ins with Tammy Lahren and Caitlyn Jenner? All the above. All the above. <laughs> Welcome to the table. I really appreciate you coming Thank by. Thank you for having me. We have Samuel Braslow, who um, has written for 3.1 Venice Magazine, 429, uh, also the Pride LA, and you cover a lot across intersection of culture, mm-hmm. politics, Hollywood. Yeah. And apparently you only work for publications that have numbers in them. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a it's my thing. Welcome to the table, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. And then we have the esteemed Merle Ginsburg, who is a entertainment journalist and uh, also covers culture. She has currently um, contributing to New York Post, Vogue. She has written for W Magazine, Rolling Stone, Daily Beast, the list goes on. Welcome to the table, Merle. Thanks. I'm very excited to get into this with you guys. Same Smart here. people here. Same here. So that being said, um, we're going to dive right in for our first topic of um, the, this week's show. And it's basically about Whitney Houston. And so um, to give a little background, Whitney Houston, a documentary by filmmaker Kevin McDonald, uh, hit theaters over the holiday week. And it's really what it's being positioned as is the one really in-depth um, documentary because there's been a few. There's been like a lifetime. There's been a couple um, different Whitney um, retrospective kind of movies since she's died. But they're saying this one was the only one that sort of got the cooperation and the inside look at really what went down that everyone or some fans are worrying about. What I want to discuss, however, though, is what this... Um, documentary revealed was that she suffered sexual abuse and um, allegedly by at the hands of her cousin D.D. Warwick and he's no longer living and so like sort of the debate that I see raging between critics is like is this um, look at her life uh, trashing her legacy like do we feel that um, 
her legacy as the voice, as one of the top female artists, is being trashed by these kind of revelations being brought to the forefront. Um, Merle, I want you to start us off here, because I know you're familiar with Kevin McDonald's work as a filmmaker. Yeah, he's a very credible guy. Uh, He did The Last King of Scotland. He did an amazing Bob Marley documentary. I interviewed him. He was so thorough. You know, here's the thing. If Whitney Houston was this kind of sugary pop singer, which some people could say that she was for a while, then uh, maybe it's not important to know these things. Although I believe that the filmmaker's vision is the filmmaker's vision, and they should fulfill that in any way they want, even if they have no audience. But given the way she died, given what we know, this new revelation helps explain a lot of her behavior. You know, with Bobby, and we know there was a lot of craziness throughout her life. So I think it is like sort of a missing key of why she behaved the way she did. And I think actually it completes a picture that was sort of fuzzy before. Yeah. So, Ashley, what I want to ask, picking up with what Merle's saying, so the family cooperates. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, you know, with this, and Pat Euston is actually behind the documentary, her uh, sister-in-law. And so uh, recently we've had sort of uh, biopics like the Versace story that was told on FX by Ryan Murphy, and you had where the Versace family 100% did not cooperate with it and did not want to give it a blessing. Mm -hmm. The Getty family, there's another um, docu-series on the Getty family that they're suing FX. Do you find it to be surprising that the Houston family themselves wanted this part of Whitney's um, story told after her death? Um, I think there are moments that become opportunistic. Um, Many times we automatically... Um, subscribe to the idea that family is always cohesive and as someone who's not that close with everyone right? (laughs) in my family like I recognize that just because a family member came for it doesn't mean that it was always the right thing to do but more than anything I always question who is this benefiting and if it were an opportunity to talk about sexual abuse childhood sexual Mm -hmm. abuse family dynamics the fact that it was actually a woman who sexually abused them then maybe sure that it's benefiting an organization or a group that's focused toward preventing that from happening to other people. So there was two interesting articles that stuck out to me on this, and that really kind of got me thinking that I wanted to discuss this. And so there was uh, an article by Kevin Fallon in the Daily Beast where he literally said, Whitney Houston, the title, Whitney Houston Drugs and... um, sexual abuse, can we just stop ruining her legacy? And then Kate Arthur over at the BuzzFeed, who um, also wrote an article that was like, Seven Things You Need to Know, and she actually interviewed Kevin McDonald, who made the film. And what her takeaway, her one big takeaway, was that it left her still with questions about the relationship with her long-rumored, you know, lesbian partner, Robin Crawford. So I... We're not psychologists, obviously, and we're not going to diagnose what goes on in in terms of, like, what happens to a person when they're sexually abused. But did you find that interesting that, like, out of everybody, Robin did not 
um, cooperate. Like, she didn't do any interviews mm-hmm. for She's it. She's probably one of the few people that, that actually did care about Whitney's well-being and weren't yeah. as interested in the trauma porn. Because America yeah. loves mm-hmm. trauma porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think the way that I can't really speak... Um, on it because I haven't seen it yet but yeah. what I will say is that many times it's not really about understanding Whitney because there's this idea that well it explains her to us and she but Whitney didn't owe anyone anything no there and I think once again America like this idea that like well she had to explain this to us and, and it's like no she was her truest authentic self and fans and those who respected her as an artist loved that most about her so, Merle, you you actually had experience uh, in your career, like where you met her or you covered her. I interviewed wrote, her for Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. So, in your opinion, and, and this was going back, like, when she was at the height of, like, bodyguard just time. Just starting to go there. Just starting to go there. Yeah. And what did you find her to be? Sort of, uh, give, give, us your, give us your... Well, you guys are probably going to be fairly offended by this, but I can only speak to my own experience. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I think the filmmaker should say whatever he wants. And some other filmmaker can come along and do something different. But I found her, I don't know what substance she was on, if any, but she was completely out of her mind crazy. The answers were incoherent. She was kind of wobbling. And this is pretty early Early on. Early on. I asked her about, you know, it was a big moment in hip hop. I'm like, how does your music fit into this scenario? Yeah. And she was like, well, it's just time for Whitney. You know, <laughs> there was no real. She oh, wasn't was she wrong. <laughs> well, you may be right about that, but she wasn't there, is what I'm saying. Huh. So I'm going to ask. I'm going to switch here uh, gears a little bit, um, Samuel. How much do you think? Because obviously, we know Hollywood loves a comeback, but mm-hmm. then they're just as equally, sometimes in different ways, responsible for contributing to to the downfalls of sort of someone how much then do you think the media contributes to sort of Whitney's troubled uh, life in the press and so on and so forth I mean I I felt like I thought it was really craven of like the tabloid to actually Mm -hmm. put a picture of her in Mm. her coffin which you know which makes it more sad that it's an insider that made that possible so speak to that of just how much you think the media contributes to all of these issues completely I mean I think it gets to what Ashley was saying about trauma porn that you know I mean the media just like just like Hollywood is a business right and it's and it's attached to narratives that drive sales and I think sensationalizing and focusing on the really tragic highly personal elements of her life I think that's what that's what people wanted to hear and yeah. that's what the media catered to and I think it's con- it continues to do that in the sense that this documentary also it doesn't it doesn't foreground her success or, or you know it doesn't talk about her as an entire person yes. it focuses almost exclusively on these really awful prurient details so we feel like it just sort of gives more of a window into like why Sort of just why about everything, really, that we. I mean, if she didn't have this kind of crazy, traumatic, up and down life, then it would be why are you focusing on that? But that was a big part of Mm. the whole life and mystique. I think this is where I can see it from the pure journalist in me. I, I absolutely get that Kevin did a great 
documentary and then the fan human side of me is like oh can't we just talk about how she did greatest love of all and she was beautiful in her ball dresses but I guess I see both sides of this yeah and I think also again really not shying away from the idea what is the end game what is it that uh, McDonald hoped to accomplish by telling this story yeah and Mm -hmm. I would like to think of it like what would Whitney do like if she were here and um, in a state of mind that she were comfortable sharing that, who would she want this to benefit? And she's actually said in interviews, she's actually talked about child abuse, how that was one of the things that she hated the most. The most. How someone who was responsible for a child's well-being could abuse that. Mm. So she was giving us clues, and yeah. I think she would want the kids to benefit. So my suggestion to McDonald is to kind of um, level that conversation, look for ways to mitigate that kind of harm from happening to other people. I think that's what she would have wanted. Agreed. Well, there you have it, and we do recommend it, because it, it, as a Whitney fan, or or not, even not, but just it, it, it gives you a really excellent view and just with com- with interviews that you hadn't seen before with her inner circle and but it's not going to be like the uplifting maybe like film that you expect <laughs> does everything need to be that no I guess it doesn't but, it's not Disney but aren't we depressed yeah. enough just right on the well, news. we are we're <laughs> turning the news to be depressed <laughs> and anxious and anxiety ridden <laughs> So, moving on from uh, Whitney, the next topic of discussion, which I especially brought um, Ashley Marie in to speak on, uh, on, on at least uh, a large side of this uh, argument, because basically Scarlett Johansson um, was cast in a movie with her director that she worked with in Ghost in a Shell, uh, Rupert Sanders, who you may know because he had a history with... Um, Yes, Kristen Stewart, which was interesting that he's attached to yet controversial stuff. You would think he'd want to fly under the... But anyway, I'm digressing. She um, is announced that she's going to star as Dante Tex Gill, a real-life figure who used a string of massage parlors as fronts for prostitution. And Gill was actually identified as a man, so it's a trans uh, uh, male character. And so, obviously, after Scarlett's um, casting became news... Twitter, the internet, uh, LGBTQ community, so on. A lot of people had opinions about this, and it started these fierce debates online, uh, prompting, which was very interesting, a very fast response from um, her publicist that pretty much um, was like, oh, go speak to um, the publicists of Felicity Huffman, Jared Leto, and why is the third? Oh, Jeffrey and, and Jeffrey Tambor uh, for comment. And so I want you to start off, uh, Ashley, here. What I basically, with the question to you is, um, what do you basically say um, to critics, you know, in, to critics of this in Hollywood, I mean, that say this is really a business and that this is not about sort of a social justice issue, you know, about visibility for one segment of the LGBT community? Like, what do you say to that? Um, I think it most... I think it most certainly is attached uh, to social justice because there is a social responsibility um, to the communities in which you borrow these narratives from. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the most disturbing things is that Scarlett Johansson is estimated at over $100 million, and she's stealing economic opportunities to thrive from a community that, on a national average, makes under $10,000 a year. And the question also goes to sag after who I'm actually in the process of writing a letter to the president, because mm-hmm. they, in their theater agreement, only see 
protected class as over 40 years old, a woman over 40 years old, and disabilities. But race and gender identity is not a part of that conversation. Is that a conversation that's being had, though, to be... Yes, to be more... To basically update the language, it's a bit antiquated. And the... When you're talking about California that has quota laws mm-hmm. on diversity, um, the entertainment industry, radio, film, and television seems to somehow evade those. Um, yeah. and, and when you bring it up, people feel they're beyond reproach. And so mm-hmm. I think that this is a larger conversation around how do we offer more economic opportunities for qualified uh, actors and actresses who can play that role, and how do we also... Um, have accountability. I think what made the trans community more frustrated was the response. Mm-hmm. Merle, so you obviously covering the Hollywood business for, for um, a while. Do you think that this is a conscious effort um, uh, on the part when like the filmmakers were getting together and deciding they were going to do this story mm-hmm. and they are deciding who they're going to put in a movie? Is this a conscious decision or is this something that they're not really thinking about it, and they're just saying, "I want to do this product, this project creatively." And Scarlett's who I want to work with. Uh, you know, give me your give me your feet. Your Hollywood your... is not a business, the entertainment business, to benefit anybody but the money people. It, yeah. You know, it'd be yes. There are socially conscious projects in Hollywood. That's great. Um, I feel bad that trans actors can't get the work they want. But women over 50 can't get the work they want. Yeah, we get no work, though. Well, nobody guaranteed anybody in acting that they were ever going to have work. Yeah. I think one of the best uh, conversations that happened came from since a uh, Jamie Clayton, uh, actress Jamie Clay- uh, Clayton, who's trans, and yeah. Trace Lissette. And they were basically saying that this isn't just a thing of like, okay, Scarlett Johansson got this role. They don't even invite trans women into the same room as these women to audition. And for you know these what? Roles. They don't invite um, women who are B list into that room. And so, when do we change that? And I think that this is what I admire about the trans community. And I think that we're the ones to lead this conversation. Like prime example, the the, the fact that there's no language around race when Hollywood has a history of blackface, mammy, step and fetch, and all of these things. And that's why you have Scarlett Johansson last year uh, playing a Ghost in the Shell, playing a Japanese character. But it's it's interesting you bring that up because that was where that fell apart for me to conflate those two. And I felt like people were already on the defensive because of the ghost in the shell. But Asian is a race. Uh, Trans is a gender. You can't play Asian if you're not. How can you conflate those two things? Well, because they're both, um, you're talking about demographics that are underrepresented already. That's how they're related and tied together. So when you're talking about the Asian American community will tell you there is a lack of representation, which is why Fresh Off the Boat, when that show came, it was such a hit because there's already an underrepresentation. And so when people talk about the money, it is a money business. You can have household names large names like Scarlett Johansson in these projects playing supportive roles and still get the outcome that you want. Black Panther was an example of that. It made box office history and uh, Angela Bassett, who's uh, Hollywood royalty, was a supporting role in that, but she wasn't... But Black Panther was like the first, to me, like the first 
uh, black centric superhero. Like again, it's it was about. I feel that. like we're conflating two things yeah. where it's like. But we're not though. We're talking about underrepresentation in Hollywood and where we draw the but line. But who in Hollywood said that uh, the business of entertainment was about representation? Well, that's the I thing. wish it was. It's typically but it's not. about cis heteronormative white men who think that they know the experiences of women better than they do, who feel they know the experiences of trans people better than they do. If they were smart and if they were about their money, they would recognize that even in the LGBTQ community, we have an estimated uh, spending power of $917 billion, which is nearly a trillion. So they would be smart about their money and do something that's actually going to engage the community that they're trying to market Jeffrey to. Jeffrey Tambor is not a trans person, and exactly. yet he plays one. Is no, that not a anymore. Bad thing? He does not oh, play. Well, not anymore. Okay, yeah, that was because of yeah. sexual politics, but that had right. nothing to do with his gender. Right, but the thing is that there were writers on that show who were trans. I understand there were that. Uh, supporting roles that were trans, and so without these people at the table for the conversation, mm-hmm. he would have had no part. Do, should Daniel Day Lewis not have played in My Left Foot because he wasn't crippled? I Same think- thing. Yeah, and I think, once again, it goes back to the point where we can have these conversations in the beginning, but there needs to come a point where we evolve and we grow. So the conversation we were having when Hillary Swain played in uh, Boys Don't Cry, yes. that was an entirely different time because we were still trying to figure out what that dynamic looked like in our community. But as we continue to do this, the objective should be to open the door so that we can step into those positions to tell our story better than we can. But then trans people can also, like Janet Mock and other people, go make their own projects. Get out there write your story and that's what we're actually working on doing but the thing is we're looking you're talking about meritocracy this idea that oh all you have to do is work hard and do this and you will get it and the reality is that intersectional experiences teach us mm-hmm. that that's not the case we don't have the resources nobody to do so. in hollywood hollywood particularly you want to be a banker you'll have a guaranteed job we're writers. We don't have guaranteed jobs. There's no guarantees. It's not about guarantee, but it's about opportunity. And when we don't have that opportunity, that's when we need to have the discussion on how we include others. So playing devil's advocate in this mm-hmm. conversation, because that was you know, what even prompted me to ask you to be on the show was mm-hmm. you, wrote a, you wrote a tweet that was very pointed about like white gay men not standing up for right. uh, stand up for us. Um, uh, you know, because basically that, that they were the same gay men that that were okay watching Roseanne. Because my opinion um, on this is 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 sort of. Can we of, just actually say what the tweet was, just because? Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Because uh, so basically. Um, I was talking about, this was about the the Scarlett Johansson bit. Yes, and yeah. so what I was saying was that um, we have to stop making exceptions yeah. for which form of oppression and exclusion we're going to, to allow. And so it seems like um, sometimes like we're the same people that talk about wedding cakes and all of this and mm-hmm. oh I want to have a right to but then when it comes to trans women more specifically trans women of color yeah. we don't have that same conversation there's not that same uh, level of support and so what my point was was that we continue to make excuses for problematic behavior they made excuses when RuPaul had the comments to say about trans women they made the excuses when Roseanne had the problematic politics not just around Trump but around 
people of color, which later came out, and then everyone's all of a sudden on board. And now, with Scarlett Johansson, some people were like, well, you know, she probably didn't mean it, but I think the conversation Rose McGowan and I had was a perfect blueprint and model of how you can hold someone accountable and hold them at the same time. And Mm -hmm. the fact that there was no, there was this dismissive energy and there was no willingness to have a conversation, that was what the problem was. She would get beaten to shit if she had that conversation. So I still, I'm not defending her. Scarlett Johansson, not only that, she didn't choose to be in that movie. Also, the interesting thing um, is is the the very dismissive uh, PR uh, comment, though. Uh, Gar, to my understanding, I, he is openly Marcel. Oh, Marcel, her apologies, is openly gay. So exactly, but no, but so and here's the thing: I'm also gay. Big surprise, mm-hmm. breaking news now. <laughs> um, but I, I really struggled with the argument here on behalf of the LGBT community because for years, and I'm going to just bear with me for a second here. Mm-hmm. For years, basically, um, the. Gay community was saying, you need to give the gay community a shot at playing straight roles, Mm -hmm. right? So then how do we now confront this issue of saying trans roles in movies need to go to trans actors because then that basically puts us right back saying then Hollywood producers can say well if you're gay you're not going to play a straight role you're not going to be a straight leading man but that's not and that's why I specifically love what Jamie Clayton of Sense8 on Netflix had to say her point her entire point was just that if you're going to say that Scarlett Johansson Mm -hmm. can do this then you need to make sure that trans women are in that same room with Scarlett Johansson and Michelle Rodriguez and whoever else is playing... They probably will be. They pro- so your point is saying... But probably oh, wait, they So haven't. you're saying beyond trans, just trans exactly. roles. Exactly. See, because a lot of the argument I'm seeing lays in, laid in, the, in the idea of just a trans character having to be played. That's where I that's, didn't understand huge, where... Well, there's a like, couple of, so there's a couple of different... As with anything else, yeah. there's a, always going to be different uh, nuances to the conversation. Yes. Um, but I think I definitely am specifically amplifying the one that Jamie Clayton had, which is that we need to look at the fact that it's not opportunities. So you say you can become anything, but we can't. We're not even invited out to those roles. And so my whole point in reaching out to SAG-AFTRA, who has a responsibility to uh, performers, actors, and actresses, is to make sure that they are, that we are protected and that Mm -hmm. we have equity there. When you say not invited out, though, so like obviously acting... Quite literally. No, but, but, but but like, let's, like again... I'm thinking of it in terms of like, and I know we can't take out the, we can't take out race, we can't take out um, gender identity, we can't take out sexual orientation because we live in a society that is a melting pot. But if you just looked at it like, I'm a young boy that wants to be an actor and dreamed of being an actor, it is the most difficult career to break into for a straight person, a gay person, anybody. So when you're saying like you're not invited in the room, I don't know any actors who didn't just hustle and it's like, isn't it's it just not, getting representation, again, going to auditions? We're going and back keep- to meritocracy. We need to stop pretending that the trans community has the same access. Even as a black trans woman, statistically, my life expectancy doesn't go beyond 35 years old. Yeah, We need to get honest. I am sick of white people, specifically in the industry, making excuses. And even with white women, the 53% who voted for Trump, making excuses and saying that like, oh, well, you know, all they have to do is this. And it's like, no, because we're being told like, oh, you can eat, but then there's a cage right in front of our faces, and we can't access it. 
So glad did a study yeah. that you said, and it was literally like eight, and I have like 84% of, of the people in America in their study said they don't know a person that is transgender. And there was even another study that actually said that actually went deeper to ask them if they would befriend them, and it was shocking. Most people aren't even interested in getting to know Those us. are so, the Trump voters. They are yeah. the people They're between... not all Trump voters. No. The Democratic Party, especially in California, and I am a Democrat for those who may not know, um, <laughs> the Democratic Party in California especially is just as problematic as the GOP. And we saw that even with the whole Maxine Waters thing, not to digress. So, okay, so yeah. don't vote for Hillary Clinton and wind up with Trump and no abortions. You know, I don't know what that means, but what I do I'm understand... I'm so sick of people complaining right. about the Democratic Party. Right, it's it, not complaining, but the thing is the well, same... hold on, we're taking yeah. this into... Yeah. The, we're Meet the Hollywood... Yeah. We're, we still well, are Meet no, the Hollywood right. Press. We're still Meet the Hollywood <laughs> Press, and it is the reason why it is important. And I thank you for modeling the conversations we need to have, because typically we're not in the room to speak for ourselves. And yeah. white men and white women always feel that they're entitled not only to just like, okay, it should be... but they're entitled to our experiences and our stories and our lives and you can just try mm-hmm. them on and discard them when you're done and we're done. Well, we're that's, done with that. Well, that's why I think um, a big part of this for me on a personal level mm-hmm. was to deep, have a deeper understanding mm-hmm. because there's always going to be a conversation. You know what? I'm going to, Sam, I feel like you're you're sitting over there. <laughs> your like head's that, going oh, like no, that. No, I just want to bring in, I want to bring in like sort of the millennial male um, opinion here. Like, because you're growing up in a generation that is really like throws out any labels. You know what I'm saying? And so what is your just opinion just looking at this as like the new generation of all of this? Well, I think it's interesting. I, I don't think as the you know, millennial voice at the table. <laughs> um, I'm you like how I totally <laughs> called that out. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think, I don't think we throw out labels. Actually, I think we acknowledge them. We acknowledge the role that these labels play, and 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 it's funny because there is kind of this. Uh, this contradiction that that always gets pointed out about millennials. It's like, oh, we're simultaneously, you know, so wedded to these labels and, you know, we call, you know, we compartmentalize people into into sexual orientation or gender or, you know, political affiliation. But at the same time, we throw it out and we we dismiss it. And I think that that confusion is kind of emblematic of, I mean, it stems from the contradiction that millennials themselves, you know, speaking generally, are trying to call out, which is that, we do live in, or just any society operates on generalizations, and yeah. and we'll we'll you know ide- I'm going to see someone and identify you know kind of a, a the list of identities that they represent, and then I'm going to treat them a certain way, right? So uh, uh, I, I'm kind of getting in the in the in know, the weeds <laughs> in the bushes, but um, I speaking to to friends of mine and and uh, sources and and especially younger actors, there's it kind of there's a split. Uh, yeah. especially around around this issue where, you know, a lot of actors come up. I mean, acting's about transformation, right? Yeah. I, you know, I did college theater. I, I've played, you know, 60-year-old men, right? I am not a 60-year-old man. But, and that's kind of inherent to acting, but the issue is that that same kind of opportunity for transformation is denied to trans actors, where where trans lives and trans experiences are only celebrated in the context of these these cis actors uh, uh, playing these roles, right? Where, where 
in a lot of you know, like Je- Jeffrey Tambor, we we you know we celebrate. And by him. the way, for the audience listening that may not know cisgender, because quite frankly, right. there's very smart people that I speak to that have heard that term for the first time. Mm-hmm. And right. Cisgender is a heterosexual. Um, well, no, that's sexuality. That's actually separate. So basically, or, yeah, cisgender. Cisgender just means that the gender you identify as is in alignment with the sex you were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, there it's, you go. It's it, you know with Jeffrey Tambor, right? We we celebrated him when he when he first played. He won a million Emmys. Exactly. He he was lauded. Why did a great job? I mean, for whatever. His but which is also maybe. interesting because I like again Netflix and Amazon. We don't really know like viewership numbers, but we just know that again. The Hollywood's like self congratulatory mm-hmm. award yeah. show. Well, uh, it even like the critics and the writers all love. Um, yeah. I don't actually yeah. know if America loves uh, trans. Call me crazy here, but I don't know that the rest of America loves trans. No, that's important because no. Amazon doesn't tell us how many people watch it, and yeah. we don't know. So it, to hear eighty six percent don't know trans, and then when you look at Ryan Murphy's Pose, yes, great show. But mm-hmm. here's the thing: the reality is it's even less than Versace. It's drawing six hundred thousand viewers a week. Uh, granted, it's the summer of Versace. Versace was like about a million average. So my thing about this is, again, this is the answer. Uh, Merle, t- uh, Hollywood Studios, like, then what do you say when it's like, I feel like we, there's a certain level where people want Hollywood to be everything to everybody, where yes, it's like, I agree with Hollywood that. gets involved in politics, and then it's like, Hollywood should shut their mouth about politics. Then when Hollywood is just but like... who says that? No, no. Who says Hollywood should shut their mouth, though? Donald Trump. Exactly. Exactly. But, but no, but you're... No, but there's, like, average, like, people... Meanwhile, he's the most Hollywood of anyone who ever... There's a, <laughs> right. That's the there's thing, a lot yeah. of, like... No, yeah. I, I'm going to put this on, like, Trump... Tending to be Trump voter type people think Hollywood... They've tuned out of watching, like, Hollywood Awards this last oh, year. Oh, totally because, But then, when it comes to sort of, like... Uh, there's a social justice issue and it's like when Hollywood wants to just be a business like a studio goes like this because here's what I'm going to say what if here's the thing putting Scarlett Johansson in a role like this by the way she's a fan and I'm not defending any of this yeah she is the biggest earning box office female in the business bigger than Meryl Streep yeah, so putting a highly visible actress in this trans role, then what do you say to people say, but that gives visibility to a trans story because more people are going to maybe Let me see break the movie. that down for you. Let me break it down for you. This idea of representation without compensation is exploitation rebranded. It's trash. It's yeah. not... That's why when we were talking about the Whitney Houston movie, I yeah. asked specifically, and I didn't move away from that, who is it benefiting? Yeah. And if it is not benefiting the people whose narratives and pain and trauma you're digging up for an Oscar that you're not going to get, because <laughs> let me be quite clear, if you notice, when they named all of those people who played trans roles... They were only award winners. Why? And there were other people who played trans roles that were not named. So even the arrogance in that statement said yeah. that, yeah, we're just doing whatever we need to do to get an Oscar. And again, my idea was not to get off in the weeds too much. What I really wanted to underscore more than anything is that the gaslighting needs to mm-hmm. stop. And so we need to stop because if you're an artist and a storyteller and a director, producer, you are a reflection of truth. You are a reflection of the the times and if you are not able to reflect the discrimination and erasure and exclusion of trans people you aren't that great at what you do a lot of art and i'm talking about fine art but also film television particularly now is ugly is mean a lot of people hated westworld because it's so violent I say... I don't hate Westworld, but I just think you need a map <laughs> to understand it. it. But, but art, go ahead. for art's sake, I, I do think there should be some socially conscious 
art, yeah. and particularly when it comes to documentary, because yeah. that's reality. But artists can do whatever they want, and artists can make something that's ugly. They love controversy, and I yeah. don't think they're responsible to anybody, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, and that's, of course, because your life experience looks a lot different from someone who is not going to live to 35. You don't know that. Years old, you don't know what my experience is. I don't is. know your whole experience, but I know that next to me, it looks a whole lot different. And that's I the gaslighting that we're talking right. about. But the fact that you are not, as a white woman, you are not able to sit here and acknowledge that you have privilege beyond other people. Baby, and I'm making no money. No I am saying, broke right now. That's the other thing, too. When we're talking about white privilege, we're not talking about a bank receipt. When we're talking about white privilege, what we're saying is that you were born into the world with a head start and an advantage that several classes of people did not have. That does not make you a horrible person. It gives you an opportunity to take those tools and use them to become a better ally to communities who can use that. So, th- And you know what? I would go out and defend any trans candidate, anything in politics, I would absolutely. I just think artists should do what they want. Yeah, I don't think uh, it's you know political. what. I, I don't think art. I think that's political. why I want to have this conversation yeah. because what? it's like I, I, I really, literally see. I can honestly say I see both sides of the yeah. argument. There's I this, there's this person in me right, that though. has worked in Hollywood and understands that it is still a business, and then there's the person in me that wants to stand up for social justice issues yeah. and have everybody have Jeff an opportunity. Jeff Sessions you know also worked in politics for a very long time. Yeah. Does that mean that all of Jeff Sessions' politics are socially uh, correct? Or No, it doesn't. No. So when we start looking at that, then that's when we kind of get into this thing of to your point about millennialism, like, we can acknowledge it, and it doesn't mean that we're saying it's right or wrong. We're saying that we can do better. But do you think that, but don't you think the controversy, like, the backlash is misdirected because it's directed at an actress that's simply taking a role to do yeah. her job, right? And it's, and rather, uh, no, 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 but no. listen. America loves protecting white women. No, 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 no. She has it a has nothing to do with color. It does. Let, but let it, me, bear with me for a second here. <laughs> this lies in, like, Hollywood starts where it's agents, managers that are going to rep people. So you're saying you're not getting yeah. in the room. He has something to say, so like, I don't want to take that. Oh, no. I mean, I, I have a lot We're basically not even going to get to the other topics, but that's okay, yeah. because this is an important Jen, conversation to have. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure where to start. Um, I mean, well, first of all, she's not... It, like, her career, her livelihood does not depend on taking this job. She could have any role she wants. Um Especially if she's making as much as a hundred million dollars net worth. Yes, Re- exactly. She's, she's she's doing totally fine for herself. Though more money than Meryl Streep when it's, it comes to boxes. But I don't think it's about money. Like here's yeah. the thing. But she does probably want to be nominated for an Oscar. Like Absolutely. we can actually yeah. say and that. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's and, okay. And, and then right. this life people ex- want to. That's an accomplishment. She uh, that every actor in Hollywood that achieves achieves box office success. What do they want next? Tom Cruise probably lays awake at night. Yes. He still hasn't got that Oscar. And woe well is him. You know, he's not getting. Mission Impossible. No, definitely not. And so you know, and what I respect about you, and I wish more of Hollywood had this conversation. You've made it very clear that it's about the money, and it's, it's not, not even, about the money. It's about for the me. profit, and it's not about the people. I didn't make and the so rules. Did I'm not I make saying, the rules? I'm not saying that you're saying any. I'm just letting you know what I read back is that it's about the profit and not the people. So what we're saying is that Hollywood thinks just like you. And no, that's real. But the I thing is that what, what Hollywood saying, thinks. Do not say that to me. I really don't like why, that. What is this happening right now? Oh, this is getting a little You're bit too You're making a lot of points about I don't think she she's, one. One. No, she's, she's just saying that Hollywood in general is a business. Yeah, and I didn't create that, that rule. And she's not no, saying she's, you did. She's expressing that she's saying that this is how Hollywood is a business, basically. Right. That was what I said. No, but you're putting it on her like 
no, no, I'm no, not. No, no, no. Right, you were just saying that you, you were talking about the industry. This is what people do. And let's just keep this all the way real. We always want to attack the trope and we want to make this about like, oh, I'm being attacked. You're not being attacked. All I'm doing is stating what you said. And whenever we tell the truth that way and come with facts, we're always demonized and villainized. So, like I said, Hollywood has this idea that it is about the profit and it is a business. You're absolutely right. Allow me to agree with you. You're right. What we're just saying is stop pretending that you aren't exploiting these communities for their stories and giving them nothing from it. That's all I'm saying. And I didn't say that was you. That is an industry that was there before you were born. Yeah. And and actually, to, you earlier said, Joseph, that... Um you know, Holly, that, that Hollywood kind of everyone says Hollywood is everything and or, or something along those lines. That they want it to be everyone to everything, but then it's like, sometimes I, I don't want to defend, there's a lot of <laughs> bullshit whoa, whoa, in Hollywood. Whoa, whoa, hold on. I'm not defend, but I'm saying that they also can't win sometimes. Like, Hollywood literally can't win. I'm put, I'm, but I'm, see, this is the thing. I, I, Hollywood is not the victim here. Hollywood perpetuate, you know, Hollywood wants to have it both ways. And, and I, I know, I'm also aware that, you know, Hollywood isn't a monolith, right? Hollywood no, is made it's like it's not, yeah, exactly. who are, you know, who are smart and, yeah. and, and you know, really attentive to, to kind of... Hollywood is the place that gives the Ryan Murphys and Shonda Rhimes the platforms to tell the stories that have ground broke yeah. and done what we're talking exactly. about here. But go ahead. But, I mean, as far as, as long as we're, you know, kind of talking about generalizations, Hollywood is also a, a, a white heterosis world still, right? And so you have these this culture that's, you know, despite the fact that a lot of people are well-meaning and, and being white and heterosexual and cisgender doesn't mean you can't be well-meaning meaning and, and, and an ally, right? Yeah. But uh, you definitely come, you know, you don't have a lived experience. That kind of prejudice or that lack of knowledge prejudices you in a certain direction, whether or not you mean to be prejudiced in that direction. But, so I'm kind of getting off topic. My, my yeah. point in all this is that... Bring it back in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's, let me see if in. I can bring it home. Um, <laughs> my point in all this is that uh, uh, Hollywood is liberal when convenient. All too often, right? I mean, you see that. Well, that's, or, so, that's so another co- topic. But and it's show. not. It's but not it's because, not. because not. we're talking about. We're talking no, about. No, because you know, I don't think it's so liberal. Can be Guess what? It's to not. But, but Hollywood's not they... going to be like they're gonna. They vote. Some of them vote with their pocketbooks. Yeah, there's tons of people that are Republican in Hollywood, but they're not gonna. That's not cool to be. But you I, know, I, I don't, I'm not even talking about. I mean. Because you're saying it's liberal when it wants to be. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... Every four years for the elections, of course. Sure, but also, I mean, when we're talking about, like, Black Panther, right? When, when yeah. they can make money... Then they oh my god, they were going to make money when they oh, made they, it. Oh, they they had night. I mean, they spent so much money on it. They didn't know that they were going to make ads. I don't think it had anything to do with the marketing on it. That film, what, like, here's the thing. I hate anyone who knows the history of me on Twitter. I hate superhero yeah. movies. You can't get me to sit in a theater for a superhero movie. <laughs> I went and saw Black Panther three times because it was a great movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it was like. I think that I don't think they were like oh god we're gonna do you know why that was a great movie let me go ahead and share that with you as the black person on the panel (laughs) the reason why that was a good movie is because there were black writers producer people it was black it was for us Mm -hmm. by us and this is what I love about Ryan Murphy for everyone it was but let's just be real let's just go ahead it feels good to see yourself represented in a way in which you're not like even with the trans story you pick someone that is running like an underground prostitution ring and oh but they're giving you visibility but what are they promoting what message are they promoting and so ryan murphy mm-hmm. stephen canals is the 
the actual one who wrote it. He's the creator and co-creator, uh, co-executive producer. And Ryan Murphy, though his name is on it, he has been intentional about bringing Janet Mock, bringing in Stephen Canals, bringing in all of these amazing, the cast of all trans women. Yeah. It's one of those things where um, we get to see that there is so much of a larger opportunity when we're intentional behind being inclusive. So Hollywood is where Hollywood needs to be right now. I'm so happy that we're in this generation where we can just start exploring it because we can't heal what we don't reveal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? About? Uh, the Scarlet that we didn't cover in the last... Scarlet, if you want to talk to us, girl, we're down to have a conversation. To be honest with you, the the response that we got via your rep was what thrown, mm-hmm. what threw people, just so we're clear about what the real issue is, though we went in the weeds. It is about the fact that we felt dismissed. And okay. if yeah. you're telling our story, you should be consulting with the community that you're claiming to represent and not speaking over them. So I guess now would be a great time to move on to Zach Efron's dreads and cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> Lighter topic. Oh my god. Actually, we are we had a great show prepared and we took up pretty much all of our 42 minutes on a very important conversation. We should say congratulations, though, to Justin Bieber to end this on a, like, maybe lighter, happier note. Oh, yeah. He got engaged to um, Haley Baldwin right before the show, uh, a couple hours before the show broke. Um, I... Um, Publicity stunt. <laughs> yeah. Just my <laughs> Well, yeah. Is there any thoughts about this? Because the, 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 what I found to be interesting, I don't know if you guys are caught up, because I doubt we're all reading about Justin Bieber minute to minute, but... Um, <laughs> Ariana Grande had just had like a quickie um, engagement where she got engaged very fast to Pete Davidson and there was a lot of people saying you know saying wow oh my god she just met her well the same thing where um, I guess someone online had taken a shot at Scooter Braun who is the shared manager uh, who I absolutely love Scooter Braun I think he's genius but he's I, like one of the smartest guys and he has instrumented so much so many so they're taking shots at him to basically say oh first Ariana uh, and now like meaning like that that he's not like that they they're irresponsible and so Ariana came to his defense yeah they got more press but I think what people don't realize Haley Baldwin and Justin Bieber hadn't been like publicly like involved but they had like there's been like an on and off thing with them for a long time and I just I guess I'm just sick of like all the people on like the Twitter trolls online thinking that we all have the right to weigh in on um, when people should be engaged when they should like who cares? Like, congratulations, <laughs> Justin Bieber. Congratulations, Haley Baldwin. And if you got together in a week, that's your business. I just, I'm like so over The internet over makes it. it that it's The internet just business. makes every, yeah, that's the good way to say it. The internet makes everything our business. And it's like, it's Don't actually it. not. Don't read it. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? No. Congratulations. I, I just say love is love is love. However you get it and whatever, uh, um, time uh, length or hey just love who you want to love like I don't really I'm not that invested I, I'm just really excited to see Justin Bieber walk down the aisle in sweatpants and like shower slippers <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for watching this episode of Meet the Hollywood Press come back next week where we'll have um, three new faces in the chairs I'm also going to be on tomorrow morning conversations with Maria Menunos on Accepts. I'm talking about Meet the Hollywood Press and what we've got coming for you and some other um, Hollywood topics so catch us on Cirrus at 10am tomorrow and find Meet the Hollywood Press on podcasts Apple Podcasts you can also find us on Facebook Instagram Twitter and on AfterBuzzTV.com. Thanks for watching.
from executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.